common ground, a basis of mutual interest. In homage to simpler times, shared experience, and the neighborhood bar, my guests come from all walks of life, each experiencing the world through their lens, each having a story to tell. And if only for one evening, be heard. I welcome you to tune in, take a seat, and enjoy the show. This is Common Ground. On this episode of Common Ground Podcast, I sit down with Robbie Dixon. Robbie is the host of the Poseidon Performance Podcast. We talk about how Robbie's start as a swim coach led him to realize that his calling was in helping people, and the best way to do that was to create this forum of his performance podcast. So now he and his guests sit down, they talk about all things elite, all things performance, and we rehash a lot of the lessons that he's learned in his early months as a podcast host. This episode of the Common Ground Podcast is brought to you by BASE Training, Basic Advanced Scientific Exercise. Andrew and his team serve the greater Philadelphia area and the Philadelphia suburbs located on 485 Baltimore Pike in Glen Mills. Andrew and his team are committed to helping you train hard and train briefly through innovative workouts and a great trainer experience. In a world full of noise and classes, these guys are legit. They get results. They know what they're doing. Whether you're an elite athlete or just an average Joe like me who wants to stay in shape and keep up with his wife and kids, Andrew and his team at Base Fitness can create the workout for you. Uh, as Andrew says, they are personal training for athletes, people, and life. Perpetually maintainable strength and fitness plans, no gimmicks, no excitement, just results. That's Base Training, Base Training Mainline. Find them on Instagram at Base Training, the number seven, on Twitter at Train Hurst, H U R S T, or online at Base Training Mainline.com. Common Ground Podcast is proud to partner with LLA, the leading lifestyle agent real estate group. These guys serve the greater Connecticut and New York area. And what really sets Mike and his team apart is that they are going to help you establish your lifestyle. However you define your lifestyle, they're the team that's going to help you get there. They've got a marketing team, a creative team. They set up events. They do real estate. So whether you're looking for a little house in the, in the pra- on a prairie or a mega mansion just outside of New York, these guys are the people to see. Find them online at llarealestate.com, on Instagram at Michael Ferraro, C-T, and that's F-E-R-R-A-R-O, or on Facebook at Leading Lifestyle Agent. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Common Ground Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a fellow podcaster, the host of the Poseidon Performance Podcast, Robbie Dixon. Robbie, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just enjoying a lovely overcast day here in New Jersey. Yeah. Now, uh, you guys have that hurricane coming up your way? or Yeah, it's supposed to storm all week. It's going to... I mean, it's going to be nice body surfing ways, but other than that, it's going to be kind of crappy. All right. Now, are you the type of person who, when the hurricane's coming your way, are you like, oh, God, we've got to hide inside? Or do you start calling friends and be like, guys, hurricane party at my house. You bring the beer and the bread. I'll see you there. Uh, well, me and my brother love hurricane waves, and he, he's much better at surfing than I am. So he's always down and checking the app to see how the swell's doing. So he probably wants to go take the board out this week. Nice. No, yeah, I, I, have, I have to agree with Joey on that one. I'm, 
I'm a little upset that I'm in landlocked Pennsylvania <laughs> uh, and there is no hurry. We got some wind this morning, but uh, you know, I tried to surf. I tried to windsurf down my street once. Didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. I, I tied a bed sheet to a broom <laughs> and stood on my longboard and I didn't go anywhere. But it was a good idea, man. The sail filled. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I, I we're going to kind of flip the, 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 the script here a little bit. Normally, you're the one on this end of things interviewing folks with your podcast. Yeah. Um, but today you get to be the guest. So first, let's just start off. Why don't you, for those who have not uh, found the Poseidon Performance Podcast yet, tell everybody a little bit about what your podcast is, and then uh, and then I get to run you through the gamut today, my friend. Yeah, so the podcast is just it started off. I had to do a um, school project for one of my master's classes, and I was, you know, trying to half-ass it. So they said, come up with a creative uh, idea, and I said, I'll do a paper. And they said, you will not do a paper. You have to find something <laughs> creative. So I was like, fine, I've always listened to podcasts like Joe Rogan and Jocko and people like that. So I just decided I'd put a podcast together and then had one of my buddies on and we just talked about um, budget cuts and the NCAA because of COVID and then just started brainstorming from there. And now we're just, my goal is to bring on guests that have some sports related background and we talk about different aspects of performance and their journey and the goal is after each episode if the listener can you know take something that they can implement into their life or honestly just talk about it at their dinner table then i knew that was a pretty successful episode so yeah we're we're doing pretty good got 20 different countries across the world which is honestly insane yeah that's pretty cool yeah so yeah i love it i love I love learning from the guests and honestly the show is because of the guests. I'm just, I'm just there asking questions. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. And I think it's interesting that it kind of started off with with that little nudge from a school project. Cause initially after college, you had gone into collegiate swim coaching. You were a professional or not professional. You were a collegiate swimmer yep. um, and then decided you wanted to give a crack at coaching and and now the podcast seems to be a thing. And you and I had a conversation a little while ago about figuring out, you know, what it is, what's your why, what's your passion, what are you supposed to do, how are you going to help people? Mm -hmm. um, and, and personally, I see similarities between what you do with the podcast and what your role would have been or could be if you went back to coaching. Um, talk to me about a little bit about like, you said you're you're just there to facilitate, right? So, mm -hmm. so how did how did those two kind of play off each other? Like, how do you how do you get these people to talk about what it is that that's important to them and and how that impacts their performance? Well, I think it's it's similar to coaching because, I mean, I I, I viewed myself as a facilitator in coaching. Like, I was just. I was just like a pawn or a piece and really the athletes were the one doing all the work and there's the success, uh, the success was because of them. I was just kind of standing there. So I think you just, you do your research and you try to put a plan together or write a script for an episode. And then you just kind of, you got to let the guest or the athlete kind of take over and see what works for them. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's no, kind of that's kind of how I look at it. I just, I try to put a plan that I think works or a direction that I think works. And then it just, the episode or the swimmer will just take it from there and run with it. 
I think it does. I think it does absolutely answer the question. Um, and that's kind of what I want to get into some of the performance pieces that you've picked up on and some of the things you've learned from your guests. Yeah. Um, but again, as an, as an outsider looking in to your podcast, but then also as someone who is still coaching collegiately and just keeping an eye on the changing landscape of performance, sports, business, life, family, whatever it is, there is a lot of change mm -hmm. that's coming versus the old and i think you said it well like you're a facilitator the in my eyes the old mentality was that the coach or the boss or the ceo or in a family structure the, usually the male figure they were the dictators yeah they said this is what is best right the old there was a show father knows best mm -hmm. Same, like you go and you do what you're told yeah and but now we're looking at breath. We're looking at mental states. We're looking at rest. We're, we're, we're looking at nutrition. We're taking that holistic approach to wellness across the board. And some of the philosophies that were previously looked at as being more of an Eastern philosophy. And, but now people are like, wait a minute. Like maybe there's something to this mental recovery thing or people having an opinion. So you've, you're on what episode 12, right? You've had yeah, 12. We, yeah. We just did 12 yesterday and we'll do 13 tomorrow. Okay. So in those first 12 episodes, mm -hmm. what are some of the takeaways that have, that have stuck out to you as you've, you've interviewed these different folks? Well, first i want to go back and agree that there is a shift and it's something i've learned in my master's program we talked about a lot this summer that there's a a culture shift from coach-centered coaching to athlete-centered coaching where the paradigm or whatever it is the way of thinking is that you're going to put that coaching is going to become more of a partnership where you have to work with the athlete instead of just relying on a coach's ego or something like that but for my, I don't know, first 12 episodes, I just learned that kind of everyone has a story and everyone has a unique way of how they became successful. So if I look at yesterday's episode and I was talking to Garnet Stevens, who's a Pan American Games participant in the pentathlon, he was putting a lot of pre uh, emphasis on the 1%, doing the little 1% things and how they add up over time. And he was talking about... Um, his diet and how it's easy to fall into those bad habits. But if you just push yourself to do the recovery, go to sleep, how those are going to add up over time. And then I, when I was talking to, um, uh, I'm looking at it right now. When I was talking to Grayson, so episode three, and he's not a current athlete anymore, but he was, talking about the shifts in his diet and how he's noticed body changes and mood changes after he made adjustments to his diet and how that's becoming a bigger role for him and it's just no longer about what you're doing for the two-hour time slot in practice but it's the things outside of that that are really becoming um, game changers for performance yeah uh, and I think it's interesting that out of the two of them you hit on diet and there's another episode here you did with 
um, Colleen, the former yep. swimmer at Cal Berkeley. And the notes from her show say body image uh, when it comes to weightlifting for women and a lot of what goes into competing for CrossFit. Yep. So, I, you know, you, you throw up show photos. And I, do, I didn't know who she was competitively. Um, but again, looking at the image of her, this is a very fit, very strong young woman who competed at Cal Berkeley, which for those that don't know, one of the best women's swim programs in the country. Yeah. So this is an elite individual. Um, I, I would, sounds like there was some nutrition conversation there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what was it like from her, from her perspective, the nutrition piece and again, talking about body image, I, we hear a lot about it with women specifically, but I think it clearly it impacts men as well. Yeah. For her, what I was, what I was hitting on was basically the stigma that that women face when they go to the gym. So it's like when Colleen goes to the gym, I mean, if you've seen the picture, she's a beast. She kicks ass. Yeah. She doesn't mess around. I can tell. Yeah. She does not mess around. So what I wanted to talk about with her is how she got comfortable in her own body because she's not going to look like uh, the average Joe for, of a female that walks into the gym. So how she was able to stay comfortable in her own shoes and just, um, be able to go to the gym or be out in public and, and be confident and happy with herself based on who she is and what she does, because her body is engineered to compete in these CrossFit games. And, and I mean, some of the, some of the things that go into these CrossFit games is pretty crazy. Like you don't know the events before you get, um, before you get to the competition. So you find out right before you do them, which I think is wild. So we talked a little bit about, the mental game and what happens to her in order to stay fresh and be able to adapt to situations on the fly. And then we also talked about, and I think now that I'm remembering it better is how she deals with, um, how she deals with competitions when the events aren't going her way. So if she starts off and she doesn't do very well on event one and she still has three more to go in the same day, how she's able to look at it and say, well, I'm not just going to dwell on my bad thoughts because I have to do this anyway. So why don't we just make the best of it? And I thought that was pretty cool because for me, I mean, I probably still end this way, but I was a complete opposite. The second things went off the tracks, it was, um, it was game over. Yes. And that, I mean, that's interesting. I think that's, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Um, I mean, and what's interesting to me, you know, having followed you through these episodes and then also again, kind of doing my own, research and understanding of a variety of things. And I do want to get into some of the, the new wave, if you will, of performance yeah. options, but all of these athletes and coaches and professors that you've had on, they're all very high achieving. They're all basically people you would consider to be elite. Oh yeah. Um, but they all have the same mental struggles that, that the rest of us do. And again, yes, you were an athlete. I was an athlete and I'm a coach, but you know, talking about, Oh, you, you know, something doesn't go your way. How do you rebound from that? I mean, that impacts, that impacts everybody. Like average Joe going to work in the morning. Oh, I meant to set the coffee timer, but I didn't, I woke up and I don't have hot coffee. My day is ruined. Yeah. So yes, we focus on sport, but I think the lessons 
translate across the board. Um, have you found, so uh, some of these people are still competing. Some of them mm-hmm. are not. Have they, for the ones that are not, I guess, um, have they re- taken their competitive performance lessons into their, their regular life? Or are they just kind of reflecting back saying, well, if only I had known. Um, that is a good, that's a good question. I know for, for when I was did episode 10 with Kelly, so she swam division three and, and that instructor, English teacher in seventh grade. Um, and one of the exercises she, she talked about she, was when your thoughts start to become negative to look at them as if you're standing on the side of the road and it's just each negative thought is a car that drives by. Mm. And when the, when the car gets out of the view, then that thought needs to be gone or that's how you should look at it. And I, and I think that's super helpful. I'm not sure if she started that in college or whether it was recent. I can't, I can't remember right now, but for the most part, I think I'm looking at these guests now. Some of them, some of them are still competing. Some of them aren't. So I think, I don't know. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. But there's a level of perspective that has come through their journey. So, well, let me ask you, you specifically, I mean, Uh you've started the podcast. Mm -hmm. You, You are now basically interviewing performance experts twice a week. What have, what's rung true with you? Like you're obviously you're, you're facilitating this for these people to tell their journey but it's got to be impacting you to some degree, whether it's in hindsight of, Oh, if only I had known or gee, you know, I'm, I've still got a long life to live. Here are some things I can implement. Cause like I, like I said, you know, it's the mental game. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed as a, as an average person that could Mm -hmm. throw your whole day. So, so for you, how has, how has facilitating this, these conversations, how has it impacted you? Yeah, so I want to start off. Episode three, honestly, has kind of changed my life with Grayson. So, I mean, before before Grayson's episode on June 18th, I was still uh, eating kind of shitty. Um, I knew I should eat better, but I really wasn't. And then when Grayson and I, we were talking about his nutrition and the fasting and some of the effects he's seen, like he lost – 13 pounds or 13% body fat in 90 wow. days. Okay. Um, and what he's eating. So basically when we finished, when we finished recording with him, I hit him up and I was like, I need to know, I need to, I need to do this. And I have been since, since his episode and I'm down like nine pounds. I feel great eating a lot cleaner, like cut out everything that I was eating in college. So that's, <laughs> that's, if I could go back and just kick myself for, you know, yawning through nutrition meetings and stuff and like stuff like that, like those were the things that I wish now I could go back because I know I could be so much better. And when Colleen was talking about, um, diving in and if the first, you know, hundred of your thousand doesn't feel great, don't get in your head. Just tell yourself you have to finish this anyway just try to make the best of it. And it was, um, yes, little things like that. Um, we talked about mental toughness with Andy Driska and 
kind of some thoughts he was having with that. So for me, it's like when I finish an episode or during an episode as we're talking, I do a lot of reflecting on, man, I wish I would have done this, this, and this back in college. I, I probably could have been pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a really good point to kind of stick on here. So, you know, so in many ways, you are not currently an on deck coach, but no, you, you but but you've slid into this performance coach realm, performance consultant realm. Mm-hmm. If if you, Robbie Dixon, the the guru behind uh, Poseidon Performance Podcast if you took on a, a coaching consultant position and yeah. you had to coach Robbie Dixon, the athlete based mm-hmm. on what you've learned so far, where do you start? So it's just as, as if I was swimming again or is yeah, it like just, if, yeah. If you had, if you had, if you now mm-hmm. could go back and, and be the performance coach for 18 year old Robbie, you're a freshman, uh-huh in college you're about to start your collegiate journey yep and the swim coaches are going to take care of swimming but you're robbie's personal performance coach where do you start with him what are you talking about because you're starting to unlock some of these keys towards performance right yeah that's the point of these conversations so based on what you know now you're sitting down with freshman robbie what are you guys talking about So what I think what I would tell him is, is I would try to, so I would take everything that Eric taught me in my junior year. And then I would combine that with, um, I don't see, I don't know because it's, I, because we, we had the best, we had the best of the best when I was a freshman and it still, and it still didn't work. We had the, the nutritionists and, and stuff like that. So I, I, it's more of a maturity thing, right? So it's just, it's over time is, is how I find that I learn and I, I develop because in the moment, just because you tell me something, it doesn't, if I don't buy into it off the bat, but I'm probably not going to do it. <laughs> so it, it's it's really it's hard for me to go back and try to coach myself because I know the type of person that I am but I would be I would just provide me with a lot of stats I'm a okay. big stat I'm a big stats guy if I see that something works then I'm gonna do it so for like it was really easy for me to buy into Eric's training right yep. I mean look at look at his track record sure like I was starstruck for like the first three weeks before my ass really started getting kicked and I was become very, (laughs) before I became very tired. Yeah. So I was like, and when we started bringing in Carl, what was that? My senior year, end of my junior year, started my senior year when we started having those team meetings. Yeah. I started to buy into that. And that's when I became more open to the mental game of sport. So when you provide me with stats and research from high level guys on, Hey man, if you're nose breathing when you're walking to class every day, yeah, that's going to provide you with like a half percent that over time is going to get better. Hey, when you go to Redifer to get lunch, don't get the walking taco and the baked lace. Go over to the salad bar because that fuel is going to sustain you for much longer than the little half hour boost that your sugar drinks and your just dead weight food is going to provide you. 
And then it's like, hey, man, when you dive into the, I guess if you had Colleen or or Dr. Driska, because he unlocked a lot for me this past season when I was coaching and kind of changed how I looked at coaching. So if you were like, hey, man, just control the controllables and just like worry about what you can do, because not every race is going to feel the same. But that doesn't mean that the performance is very dependent on how you feel. So it's like if you provided me or if I could provide myself with that, I feel like I probably would have been pretty solid. Yeah, so I, I think you kind of hit on it there in, in a somewhat roundabout way, but you got to it. So, like, the mental game, right? Everybody struggles with some level of mental health. Yeah. From just self-doubt all the way up to, you know, extreme diagnosed depression, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody has some sort of mental challenge ahead of them. Diet, how you're fueling your body. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we live we live in a fast food society, both literally and figuratively, where what is easy and quick is rarely, if ever, the best option for you. Right. Um, and then the the combination of those two things, and then you talked about breath a little bit, and I think that's huge. I mean, I was excited when you had um, the a yoga teacher on your podcast, and I I think breath. And that's something I've recently been like starting to look into is just the art of breath. And I know we both follow Brian McKenzie uh, on Instagram and his whole crew, but like, like for me, I started doing yoga because I hurt my back and everybody was like, Oh, it'll help make you more flexible and core engagement and makes you stronger. Like that's, they came at me from that angle. You should do yoga because of this. Uh No one ever said to me, you should do yoga because the point of yoga is your breathing. Like that is yoga is focused on breathing and having control of your breath basically unlocks all of the physiology and biochemistry that helps you adapt in stressful situations. Because as your guests have pointed out, like whether you're a professor or an elite CrossFitter, or a pentathlete, you're going to find yourself in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, so the more prepared you can be for those situations and knowing how to control the anxiety response, not necessarily anxiety itself, the better off you're going to be. So, so you, you did answer the question. Um, so, so now, um, you know, you talked about, uh, talking with Grayson and kind of cleaning up your diet. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Cause I think, I think that's a major component for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article the other day and the acronym for the American diet is sad. S a D the standard <laughs> American diet is sad. Yeah, um, I believe it. But, but, but exactly. And, and like, you know, you hear on the news, number one killer, heart disease, everybody's mm-hmm. stressed. You know, yep. you want to talk about stats. I saw one the other day that the average high school or yeah, high school senior, college freshman mm-hmm. has the anxiety level of a of a committed mental patient from the nineteen forties. So what they used to put people away in a mental asylum for, the average eighteen year old is now walking around attempting to function. Mm-hmm. with that level of anxiety yeah 
and I believe it. And we're medicating. And, you know, so. And and that's I, why I, heard, I don't I don't agree with that. And I I don't I don't I don't need to get too deep into it. But I don't agree that for mental health that your quick fix or the systems fix is medication. I, I hate that. I, I agree with you. And I think, again, I think this is where your the work you're doing with the podcast is very powerful because it makes it it makes some of these performance hacks or mm-hmm. biohacks, right? That's a popular term, biohack. It makes some of these biohacks readily available to the average human being. So again, I mean, we've all struggled with some level of mental health and depression or sadness or anxiety, et cetera. Personally, I think a lot of it has to do with, with diet and exercise. I personally, like you, I don't agree with the medication. So talk to me about what, so you've, you've changed your diet up. Yeah. Talk, talk us through that. Like, because, you know, you use the example of, of walking tacos. As I remember, you were a big chicken fingers guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but now you've cleaned things up. So like you've lost some weight, you say Mm -hmm. you're feeling better. Uh Walk us through that. Yeah. So when I finished swimming in February of 2019, I was probably ballpark like 155 probably 158 because I was never one I would start off the season at 165 then I would go all the way down to like 155 something like that and then so I stopped swimming in February of 2019 and by December of 2019 I was a and I want to say 88 to 192 I know for sure I was 188 for some Easy. reason I was, yeah, for some reason, I remember 192 in my head, and I was like, I would go to the gym, you know, I would do the standard bro workout of, I don't know, a bunch of nonsense, some curls. and calf raises? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) I'd do my obligatory five minutes of abs just to, you know, make yourself feel good, and then Uh I would go, I would go home, and I was very good at well, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like going today. I'm going to be standing on deck for four hours. That's probably good enough. I'll just take some extra steps. Yep. And like, I pretty much did that up until, yeah, December when I stepped on the scale and I was like, yeah, this is, this is a direction I do not want to keep going. (laughs) So I honestly still didn't change my diet then. I just kind of switched up what I was doing in the gym. I switched gyms. So I would be able to do more full body movements like Olympic lifts and stuff like that. Yep. Still not really having any clue. And how, how's your mental health at this point? Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. My mental health isn't great to be, to begin with, but it, it wasn't good. Like I was avoiding mirrors. Like okay. I did not, I wouldn't turn the lights on when I went in the bathroom to brush my teeth or, you know, go to the bathroom, take a shower or anything like that. Like I was, there's only one mirror in my apartment. It's in my bathroom. So I would just avoid that at all costs. Um, so, yeah. And then came home in March when we got sent home because of the virus. I joined a CrossFit gym and I loved it. I really did love it. But my back is, is trash. Mm-hmm. So I was... I would have like these terrible back spasms and I didn't know anybody in the class. So I wasn't going to be that guy that quit. Right. So I would, I would finish the workout without being able to stand up. And I was like, yeah, this is not, 
this is not going to be good for me long term. I'm going to be like a hunched over at 35 years old. Yeah, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. But, yeah. But the athlete in you is like, I got to keep going. Yeah, exactly. And I needed something that could like feed my competitive edge and then yeah. just kind of went through the motions. And then June, I had the episode with Grayson. And, and like I said, I mean, that thing, he literally is, I, I can't thank him enough for what he's done, done for me. Um, so he's a faster, so he does intermittent fasting. So okay, pretty so, much. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So from 10 o'clock at night, or whatever you personally choose. I I go from 10 o'clock at night to 12 o'clock the next day. Okay. Sometimes 1130, depending on, you know, How what hungry. I've got. Yeah. What I've got <laughs> going on. Yeah. And that for me, it's easy. Like it, it sucked for the first three days. Don't get me wrong. It sure. absolutely sucked. But I mean, I lost six pounds in a week and like, there's no, there's no soda besides I let myself have one Coke on like Saturday and Sunday or something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can't cut everything out because of it. And that, right. That's where not to cut you off, but yeah. like that, that's where so many diets fail because yep. they're so restrictive. It's like, okay, everything you like to eat, you can't touch it ever again. hundred percent, which doesn't work. Go ahead. No. And that's what Garnet was saying yesterday when he was talking about his diet is that he has a planned day where he has a cake or he has that pizza and he eats every slice because it's just like training, right? In swimming, if you just trained all year round, yep. there would be nobody in the sport. You have to have the competitions to showcase your skills right. and reward yourself. So that's kind of like how the diet works. And it's, um, I have fruits and nuts to get me in between meals. So after I have like a normal sized lunch, I never eat till I'm full, but I have a normal sized lunch where it's, I don't know, just whole ingredients, stuff like that, whether it's a salad or chicken or, you know, I eat vegetables now, which is insane. Congratulations. Yeah. I love broccoli and asparagus and Brussels sprouts. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They're fantastic. No, I um, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. I, I could talk about Brussels sprouts all day. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. They're awesome. And <laughs> so like I'm a big, big nuts guy in between meals. That's all I have. So there's no more potato chips or really pretzels anymore. It's um, I've got salt, these salt and blue diamond salt and vinegar almonds that are oh, yeah. ins- insane, absolutely insane. Um, fruit and then dinner time is just a regular portion meal. Um, I think last night it was steak and broccoli with nice. some corn, corn on the cob. And then, yeah, if you want a snack, I just go back to the fruit and fruit and nuts. And then on the weekends, like you can indulge, like if you want to have some ice cream or something like that, just to reward yourself. But yeah, that's pretty much how I've been kind of about my, uh, my journey. So, and you've been doing that for how long now? Almost two months, I guess a month and a half. I, okay. I hover around like, I started off at 185 and now I'm down to like 175 and that's kind of where I want to stay. Okay. And how's your mental health? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, because. In relation to like my body image, it's perfect. Like it's okay. fine. Like I yeah. love it. And like what I do in the gym now is is more geared to what my body can handle. And I, I have a lot of fun with what I do in the gym. So I do a lot of kettlebell motions. So I don't have to put too much pressure on my back, but I feel I still feel like I can do all the muscle groups and not wake up and have a really bad back. Makes sense. 
And how is your how how have your energy levels been since you've started keeping an eye on what you eat? Oh, I'm a beast. No, I'm I honestly look at it and I don't know how normal this is, but I'm a big UFC fan. Yeah. And I I have conditioned my brain to think that we're always training for a fight, even though I have no idea how to fight. But I like to stay <laughs> I like to stay I like to call it in fighting shape. So yeah, I'll sure. do I'll do two to three, two to three days of where we go a 15 to 20 mile bike ride. Yep. And then the other days I'm out doing kettlebells or something like that. So I don't really touch a barbell anymore. It doesn't, my back just can't handle it. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, that was, I think you, there's, oh my God, we could talk, seriously, we could talk about this for, for hours. Uh, (laughs) There's just so much to unpack right there. Um, but I, I think boiling it all down, right? You made a conscientious decision mm-hmm. to take better care of yourself. Yeah, that and started. I did it. I did it because, because like I said, I know how I operate. Yeah, I saw I saw how Grayson looked, and I was like, "Damn, I want to do that," and I'm willing to suffer to get to that because I know after after I get break through the suffering point, I'll be fine. So I did. I suffered, and now I'm kind of chilling. Which is kind of the idea with everything, right? Like it, we talk all the time in sports, like you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Change happens outside of your comfort zone or outside of your suffering. However you want to, however you want to describe it, there's always that initial stress response of your body, your mind, your soul saying, dude, what the, and then, Uh and then the, what the becomes, Oh, that's it. Okay. I can adapt to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, and then, and so, so you make the, the, the dietary change, it's working well, you've got a little bit more energy and, and the workout change. So um, did like to me, and you can, if this isn't true, feel free to tell me to me, the decision to change what you're consuming allows you to have control over something you're making progress you're putting cleaner food in your body which opens up your your brain and allows you to have the mental clarity to be like wait a minute being under a barbell is not really what i'm into i need to move i need to feel good i need to exercise yep but i don't have to do this Exactly. I can, I can pick any of these other modes of apparatus and be perfectly happy with it, get a good workout in, feel good about myself and go about my day. Is that about right? Yeah, that's 100% right. So when I went to CrossFit and you, they would do like these barbell snatches and that, yeah. that, that, that's the last day I went to CrossFit because I did a barbell snatch with like 10 pounds on each side and my back just, yep. Yeah, I was toast. So now yeah. like I was like, I can't do barbell stuff anymore. If unless I'm doing bench press, which is embarrassing to begin with. But all right, can you bench your body weight yet? Uh, no, not yeah, even close. Neither. What's your not max? Even close. What's your uh, max? Like one fifty-five. Like all on right, a good no, day. One fifty-five. <laughs> so like I held two hundred once, and then I had to. Have, <laughs> I had to have a girl take it off for me. <laughs> but for me, it's like I could do, I could do kettlebell snatches. Yeah, and I could do it fine, which is going to be lighter weight. But I like to do it because you could do it for way longer which i like because i enjoy the suffer so i can do it where i do uh what's my my favorite complex right now is i'll go 30 minutes 
so I can keep like the CrossFit feel of doing a, uh, as many rounds as possible in a time limit. So I'll yeah, do that's, 30... that's the aerobic animal in you, man. That's the open water swimmer. Go, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're sick. Go ahead. I, I saw the workout online on men's health and it was like 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah, but I'll just do 30 minutes. So it'll uh-huh. be fine. Yeah. So I, it's, it's 20 kettlebell swings right into 10 goblet squats. And then it's, um, six shoulder press on the right arm and then six shoulder press with the left arm. And I absolutely love that workout because it's like, I don't know. I just get into a good rhythm and I I like to play with starting out differently. So if I start out really hard, how am I going to do? Or if I wait all the way until 20 minutes and then really gun it. And it's like, I could never do that if I had to do all those exercises barbell. Right. Because my back just wouldn't, wouldn't like it and wouldn't respond well, but I can do it with a kettlebell. And I like, yeah, I just love, I love kettlebells. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's all. And it's, it's awesome that you have had the time and, and been able and open to the idea of like, let me find something I love to do and mm-hmm. let me just keep doing it. Right. It's that idea. And I think that's kind of the theme for anything performance-based, but also that I've heard in your podcast is just the sustainability of choice, right? Like these athletes are elite and obviously every sport there is, we, we say the cost of admission, right? You talk about, you know, when you swam for Eric and for those who don't know, it's Eric Posgay, um, formerly of North Baltimore aquatic club and Penn state. And then now he's at university of Wisconsin. Um, there, there is a cost of admissions. Yep. But I, my personal opinion is there is a cost of admission, but there's kind of a sliding scale on, on how the cost looks. Um, and I don't necessarily have a great way to describe this. Well, here, it, like when I, when I did episode five with um, Paul Keating, who's a surfer, honestly, he does, he does so many more things. So I don't want to put one label on him, but he was talking about passions and we, we spent a lot of yeah. time on his episode talking about passions and you and I have talked about him as well. And his passion is he wants to get into Hollywood and act and do stuff like that. But, and if I'm understanding this right, his cost of admission is he has to do shitty jobs right now in order to set himself up financially and mainly financially in order to do those modeling gigs and stuff like that. So he has to go, and move refrigerators in and out of college dorms. Okay. Like that's, that's his work work. Right. And, and that's like the cost. I, the way I interpreted that is that's the cost that he has to do in order to live his passion, which is chasing swells, doing modeling gigs and, you know, auditioning for acting positions. Yeah. And I think that's a great point, right? So he's, he, for him, it's moving refrigerators for somebody else. Maybe it was, waiting tables or just audit, you know, auditioning for 20 years before the first big acting break. Yep. So, so right. I think that's, that's the sliding scale I'm talking about. Like everybody has to pay their dues somehow, Mm -hmm. but, but the currency of those dues is a little bit different for everybody. And just because I have to audition for 20 years, doesn't mean him moving refrigerators is any less of a cost of admission. Um, at least that's the way I see it. So, 
and I'll, I, and I'll translate that again into, into the performance piece. So you and I, again, have talked a little bit about swimming and this newer philosophy or yeah, it's a philosophy of like, there is not a one size fits all to training, to training point blank mm-hmm. period. Um, and you recently wrote a little, a little essay um, about just some of the, the, your, your, reflection on this philosophy of there is a shift um, yep. and, and thing we maybe we need to look at this a little bit differently you want to talk about that yeah so um like do you want my my journey in in the training yeah man just yeah because i you know i i think it's yes go ahead <laughs> yeah no, that's fine so when i was i don't know 12 until the age of 15 i was doing Monday through Friday, I would do three hours in the pool, all yep. swimming. That's a lot. Saturday and, Saturday and Sunday, I would do three hours, and I would take a 30-minute break, and then I would do another hour. So I don't, I don't know how many hours that is. What, 15? That's, that's and, a lot. Yeah, it's a ton of hours. And then I was on it's top 20, of It's 23, right? 15 plus 8? Yeah, 23. Yeah, I can't do math. But I was – and then on top of that, I was doing doubles on – Monday and Friday mornings for like an hour and a half. And like my practices, I would do 12 to 14,000 yards Monday through Friday. And then like on Saturdays, we try to push it and I'd be 15 to 16,000, which is insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah that's. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so I made a team change because I mentally it wasn't a good environment and all that. It just wasn't, it wasn't working for me. So I made a team change volume significantly dropped and I got a lot faster and right. I went to I went to college and I was I, I think it's lucky enough to experience four different styles of coaching so I had four different you know sides of, of training and training philosophies and some work better than others I, I wish that I did some things differently and then the way I look at it now is I work a lot with club kids and there's still so many club kids that are doing almost what I, what I was doing back in the day. And it's like, why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. Like these, these teams came right out of quarantine and their kids are already doing 8,000 yard practices again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm also lucky enough to be in a master's program. That's all centered on sport and a lot of it is performance based. So I'm, I'm privy, I guess, to research. And there's research that shows that 53% of swimmers that go to see a sports clinic, their injuries are because of overuse. Like, what are we, we're, we're not helping these kids. We're just, we're doing the same old style of training because it makes the coach feel good about themselves. They can go in a coach's meeting and have their Doritos and, coach <laughs> you know from coaches hospitality and they absolutely can, and they can go talk about the pain that they put their swimmers through but it, it didn't translate to any success and there was no purpose behind it and so when I coached this past season my big thing was every single set preset main set I explicitly told my group why we were doing it what yeah. part of the race this was going to, you know, help what the overall day was, the goal was. Um, and it was just constant dialogue I was having. And 
I think what I was writing about was um, that we need to start making changes. And I know coaches, you, you and I have talked about it. Brett Hawk posted about it, and that's kind of what instigated the conversation. And the, yep. and the thought was that we're coming out of quarantine, and you can see it on Swim Swam. People are swimming fast. And it's like, wow, why are they swimming fast? Maybe it's because their bodies were just given three and a half months to heal. Now, I know some of them were swimming, but it wasn't to the extent that we were used to. It wasn't the just, you know, pounding on the body. Like their bodies were given time to heal. Yep. And in some cases, you know, maybe they were they were out in the backyard. They were messing around like they were able to work on different skills that weren't just it wasn't just swimming, swimming, swimming. Mm-hmm. And and people are starting to swim fast. And it's like, why can't we look at that and just adapt? Like, why are people so – I know change is hard, and trust me, I am not easy to change either, so don't want to make that come off like that. But, like, we're giving – this is a perfect opportunity to make something out of a horrible situation, which is this quarantine lockdown phase of life. Yeah, I – yes. And I – again, I, you know I agree 100%. How much – so, yes, there's obviously the physical rest. How much of it do you think was a mental rest too? Like – even if you love swimming, and I would argue yeah. that, that most, no matter what anybody says about the relationship with swimming, if you are a halfway decent swimmer at the high school level or above, there is some element of the sport that you love. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't do it. But even with things we love, sports, food, family, sometimes you just need a little bit of a break. Um 100%. How much of it do you? Th- how much? How much? So there's obviously the physical rest. How much of it do you think is the mental rest? No, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest portion, and I think that's going to be. I don't want to generalize too much, but I think that's going to help everyone. So, if you were getting tired of going to your cubicle and just sitting there nine to five, nine to five, well, you're getting a break. So everything when you come back is going to seem a little fresher a little newer, a little more exciting. And I think that's the same way with swimming. The, when you take something away, you get to charge the batteries a little bit. You don't have to think about it as much. Then when you come back, that passion's jacked up a little bit. And I think we need to take advantage of that and not just beat that passion into the ground with the same old training. And I think that's the biggest thing. If When these kids, I mean, most of them have already come back, but when they do come back, take advantage of their excitement. And yeah. allow them to be excited all the time, not wake up at because they have to wake up early. So they're already going to be upset to, that they have to do that. Why do you? Ha- why when they get to the pool do they need to just, you know, go through like a mindless pool set or something like that? You know, take advantage of them having some time off to reset and just try something new because their their bodies they're going to get back into swimming shape. That's inevitable. And I think we have a, a good opportunity here to try stuff out that we've never tried before. And I think a lot of people would be shocked at the results. I, I agree a hundred percent. So let's, let's kind of go back to that earlier question about how would you coach 18 year old Robbie? But okay, let's say we put you back on the pool deck today uh-huh. and you're in this situation. So you're, you've decided you're probably going to do a little bit less in the water or at the very least take a gradual approach to build back up. Yeah, but but because you're a coach, you feel as though, well, I've got them for X amount of hours 
in mm-hmm. order to make myself feel good, I have to program in something in this time, even if we're not going to be in the water. Mm-hmm. What are you programming in? Like, I, I, I personally believe, well, you know what I believe. So you, you go ahead. What, yeah. what, are you, what are you programming in here? So first off, I, I have never looked, I mean, I've only coached for a year, but I never looked at coaching as I had to fill two hours. I was going to do exactly what I thought we needed to do. And then at the end, I was done. Like when we were finished, we were finished. So even when I do it now yep. and I work in the endless pool and we have an hour lesson, I have, at first I did have to look at it as, well, these kids, these people are paying X amount of money. I need to get them to 60 minutes. But now I look at it as if, hey, if we finish at the 50 minute mark, maybe we'll just float and we'll just kind of let them you know, be able to get into their own thoughts a little bit and just quiet yeah. the mind. So we'll put on a snorkel. I'll give them some flotation stuff and they'll just float around the endless pool for five to 10 minutes. Mm. Or I'll take them through a meditation exercise where it's just like they can quiet the mind because there's so much noise going on in the world that it's nice to take a step away and just be with your own thoughts. So I think that's, if I had to go back, that's what I would do. I would do a lot of mobility work to keep everything really loose, um, but not loose to the point where you're going to be, you know, a noodle, but you know, yeah. when you start swimming again, things are going to naturally tighten up. So just making sure everything is kind of well-oiled. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I would like to start with a breathing piece just to, like I said, quiet the mind, get in tune with what's running through your body, kind of the energy that you've got flowing. I'll be aware of that. And then we'd go in, um, do a lot of technique stuff, real slow motions, just so that you can, once again, be aware of what you're doing. I think that's a big piece that a lot of swimmers just swim without having any clue what they, what they look like or what they think they look like. So I think a, that's, that, yeah, that's anybody though. Like, yeah. How many, how many people just go through, just go through life. Like, yep. They're not, they're not engaged. They're not present. We just, okay, I got to go to work again. All right. Nine o'clock. I'm in my desk, five o'clock time to go home, drive (laughs) home, eat my dinner, kiss my kids, go to bed. Like, yeah, I think, I think I hate, you know, not to cut you off, but um, yeah, I mean, being, being present is, I think that's a huge piece, but yeah, continue. Exactly. So, and I would like to finish with either some floating or another meditation piece just to or an open dialogue talking about what we did that day and kind of their thoughts and just moving forward as a unit. So it's not just coach isolated, athletes isolated. Everybody's got to work together in order to make the system work. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I think that's, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about connection and that's what human beings want connection they they want sustainability like these are all sustainable things and i think that's the big the again the kind of the big theme running through your your podcast to date but then also in this new wave of of thought and again not not just for sport because i know there are people who listen to this that are not swimmers and mm-hmm. care less about swimming and that that's kind of the genesis of my podcast which for me right was i spend 60 plus hours a week focusing in on and relating to the sport of swimming. I needed a way to basically go float in the endless pool and get, you know, and for me, this is it. My creative outlet, Um, Stephen Covey, who wrote the seven habits of highly successful people. 
refers to it as sharpening the saw. People need that, like sustainability. Yep. Um, so I think I think everything you hit on goes out beyond the sporting world. It goes into the life world. Like, what do you do to check out? What do you do to, to refresh? Mm-hmm. How how do you fuel your body that allows you to have the energy to do whatever task is at hand on a given day? Like, how are you treating the machine that you run? Like we, you know, pe- most people have a car. Well, you wouldn't put like, I don't know, you wouldn't put water into your gas. You wouldn't put Coca-Cola into your gas tank. Yeah, that's exactly, honestly, that Garnet used the same exact reference yesterday. He was like, you wouldn't just dump something into your Ferrari. Like you need to make sure it's, it's what needs to be in there to optimally perform. Yeah. And I think I personally think, and again, that's why I've enjoyed listening to your podcast is that we are a performance machine, but at the same time, we're the, we're the, the smartest machine on earth, allegedly, but we take, we take ourselves for, we take our organism for granted more than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh, I got to get this done today. I got to get that done today. And just kind of mindlessly slog through until we do have that aha moment and decide to eat a little bit better or realize that you don't have to go to Zumba or spin class or CrossFit or whatever, six days a week. You can, you know, if you like hiking, go for a two hour hike on a Sunday. Yep. And you're good for the week. Um, so I think that's all, I, I think that's all really, really pertinent and it, and it goes out beyond the pool. Um, kind of the last thing I want to hit on before I, uh, let you go enjoy the rest of your, your day is so you and I both recently watched and we've talked through this a little bit today about the mental piece. So we both recently watched the way to gold, yeah. um, the HBO documentary <clears throat> narrated by Michael Phelps focusing in on uh, several Olympians, but just globally Olympians and the big lead up to the Olympics. And then, and then what? Um, and it's about, it's about the mental aspect of the highest levels of, in this case, sport. But again, you can extrapolate that out into the highest levels of life. Um, it, you, you, you know, we texted back and forth a little bit. It had a pretty profound effect on you watching it. Uh, what, what were your takeaways from, from that documentary? <sighs> you didn't think I was going to let you off the hook without going deep this morning, did you? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's just all it's, and I think if I would have had one one suggestion to the, and I know what he was trying to do, I would have I would have liked to have an athlete that was on like, I guess like a more equal level to me because like I can I was able to make the connection to what he was talking about and what everyone else was talking about, because I, I go through that stuff on a daily, a daily basis, whether the, I mean, mm-hmm. whether that's people are going to frown upon me or tell me that I don't, I mean, I do. So it's, it's better just to let me speak. So it's like when Lolo Jones said that after the 08 Olympics or whenever she hit that hurdle, that she would be driving and all she would wish is that like a truck would hit her car and that the driver of the truck would be okay, but that she could just be freed of her pain and her sufferings. Like I've yeah. had, I've had those exact thoughts and it's like, it's just, 
yeah, I don't really know how to put it into words because it's not it's not easy to talk about, but it's like there's there's stuff out there that for some reason no system has been able to help. Like therap that you can go to therapists and and um they can listen to you talk, but there's clearly something wrong here in the system, right? There's there is something that is very wrong. And I don't and I don't really know how to talk about it and I don't have mm-hmm. any solutions at the moment other than there as you've seen in the documentary, there is something wrong and it is and it is the people, some of the people that you would least expect to have the problems. So it's like I saw a quote or I was listening to a Joe Rogan episode and he had I forget who the guest was, but the guest said, We are trained to ask for help, but we are not trained and taught how to receive help. And that was like burned into me because it's true. Like I've been to those therapists and I've had those Mm -hmm. conversations and I honestly can not remember a single word they've told me. I can remember what I've said, but I cannot remember, remember a single word that they said. And it's kind of like the medication we were talking about. They were just like, take these pills. I was like, but I don't want to take pills. Like, I don't want to, right. I don't want to not be who I am because I'm medicated. Mm-hmm. For, right. Like I, there's aspects of my personality that I really like. But right. There's, yeah. there's also things that like, there's a lot going on that people don't know about and that um, maybe you get judged for something that you did, but there's a lot of situations that are, beneath the surface that a lot of people don't know about i don't yeah it's it's hard to talk about no and, and i i appreciate you sharing what you did but you know i i i like you was and you were a much better athlete than i was but um sitting and watching that documentary it hit way too close to home yeah and uh, i agree i i agree with you that it's hard to explain it to people. Like I sat and watched it with my wife and she's known me for almost 20 years. She knows me better than anybody. She, I'm most comfortable with her out of everybody and anybody in the world. And there's stuff that I could not like relate to her. Like Mm -hmm. the way I was, she looked at me and she's like, you're all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Um, But I, I do know, I do know that. Yeah. I do know this. I know there are more people who are like the folks we saw in that documentary, who are like you, who are like me, who have things going on that they don't know how to process and they don't quite yet know how to handle. But it is a part of what makes us. Mm-hmm. And and I, I again, I agree with you on the medication piece. Like there is holistic medication exercise breath work nutrition sunshine grounding i mean i cold therapy right like these are all things yeah that can help balance the the light and the dark of the human experience yeah i think um, we just need i think one suggestion uh, now that i'm thinking about it is that we need better people to talk to right like and I know that the common person is going to get all bent out of shape, but you, you can't make an athlete 
go talk to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, whatever that, I don't know what it is. The, a the, mental health professional. Yeah, that person. Yeah. That, that has no clue about performance. So, like, when I would go in there, like, this dude, I mean, the closest he got to performance was what he was watching on Sundays in the NFL. So, it's yeah. like, so it's like, and I know the common person's like, well, we already give the athletes so much. Honestly, I would give away all of my gear. I would give away all of my gear to have the right people in place to talk to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the gear, the bells, the whistles, the barbershop and the locker room, the golf course, like all of that stuff is the medication. Yeah. It, it's we're going to give you all these things, mm-hmm. but and you're going to perform, but don't don't really ask for what will make the difference. Like, don't ask for the real help. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same way with like you see these like. um like the social justice movements with like these athletes and stuff like that. It's like people are get all worked up that these, these athletes are using their platform for good and to try to make changes in the world because they're like, well, we already pay you so much money. Just go play your sport. And it's like, yeah, but I want, I want to make a difference besides, you know, dunking or or shooting a three. Like I want to make a difference so that the next generation and the generation after that can live better than I currently am. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I'm dating myself here, but it's the Michael Jackson song, like the man in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change. Like, yeah, cool. But like you, yes, we pay, we, we, first of all, we don't pay athletes anything. So for exactly. So for those people, listen, let's until it's coming out of your pocket, hush. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, why, why shouldn't they have a voice to say this isn't okay. And even if, if it's internal, external, their community, their family, their lot, like whatever, mm-hmm. they're just because it's not hush money. Like their million dollar contracts is not hush money. It's, it's what we as a society have determined their professional value is. Exactly. So if they want to get behind a cause or they have something to talk about, why, why can't they? Yeah. We're allowed to talk about what we want. Why can't they talk about what they want? Mm-hmm. And I um, think I also think like a big catalyst, at least for me, is like social media, which is a problem because yeah. which is very hard to avoid, especially now that I have a podcast. True. But it's like people get all worked up over, well, so and so didn't like my picture, so they must hate me or so and so, you know, didn't answer my text. Or my big thing is I read too far into text messages. Yep. And I, I don't know whether that's the journalism in me or, or whatever it is, but choice of words and, you know, stuff like that. Well, that person must think this of me. And it's just like, for me, that just sends me into a, into a spiral because like, you don't really know. Yeah. You don't really know. You can never know what someone else is thinking on the other side of their little screen or some people start to feel like they have a lot of power because they can hide behind their screen. And that's just a whole, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, absolutely it is. And it's, it is a part of, and I think that's part of the reason why the average 18 year old is walking around with the anxiety levels of a 1940s mental patient, because uh, there's a, uh, a woman, her name is uh, Dr. Brene Brown. I don't know if you've listened to her uh-uh. or, or, or read any of her stuff, uh, but she, 
she's actually she's extremely interesting um she's a a doctor i don't know what she's a doctorate of but she works in Texas. she's in from texas I think houston area um university of texas and she basically her big thing is vulnerability and she she has a phrase the story i'm telling myself and it's the mental and she goes through it with some some personal anecdotes um but she talks about how specifically with her and her husband he'll do something she'll interpret it one way the story she's telling herself mm-hmm. and that'll send her down this spiral of he doesn't love me he's going to divorce me you know this that and the other thing 100 eventually and then eventually she you know not works up the courage but d- decides to be vulnerable put herself out there and confront her husband and say hey when you did this what was that about and he's like oh i just had to go to the bathroom yeah like i wasn't ignoring you i had to go pee yeah yeah and i've honestly yeah, i was the same same way so i we're not going to give names but like i was texting yeah. i sent like these three text messages to a person like i don't know and like i didn't get any answers and i was like well what, what what the hell did I do wrong? I was like, well, yep. I didn't think I did anything wrong yet. And then like this, per- he, the person responded and he was like, oh yeah, just sorry, I was busy. I was like, oh. And like honestly, for that, like it lifted six elephants off my back. I was like, oh okay, yeah. yeah. And it's like I could easily be fixed. I don't. I, that's the wrong way to say it, but like like that that feeling can easily be taken away from me in a matter of a minute, like I could be completely off the charts and then be back to normal, just, just off of a, a single text message. And I hate being reliant. And I hate that my mood is, I guess, codependent on that. That's why I took off the Apple watch. Cause I hate, I just hate the notifications. I just couldn't deal with the notifications anymore. That's why I only wear the whoop. Yeah. The whoop doesn't give me any notifications. So I got, <laughs> if, if my phone's not in my pocket, like I can be, mentally free for right however long yeah and i think that's uh, that's a great point so and, and we can kind of wrap it with this is so in a world of constant stimulus mm-hmm. good bad as the performance podcast guy how do you how do you how do we as a society take time to check out regroup float in the endless pool and 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 help ourselves balance like what are the first steps to peak human performance in a world of constant stimulus yeah you have to be able to find a way to disconnect and i think for for everybody that's going to be a little bit different so for me like i like to play video games which i mean probably mentally doesn't stimulate me very well but it provides me with a little escape. Like I get to get a little lost in a fantasy world. That's not, that's not real. And I know it's not very productive, but for me that provides some mental escape. I also like to, you know, go out and shoot hoops or, you know, go play outside with my brother or go wrestle. I love to wrestle. Yeah. 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 I typically get choked out, but that's fine. That's okay. But for me, that's fun, right? Like it's, I don't, I'm not glued to my phone. Like I don't have to worry about, you know, how many views did the last podcast episode get? Why did it only get this one? I thought that one was great. You know, <laughs> why? Yes, I do. Why, why, why am I not getting text messages? Why is my email not, I sent this person an email. Why didn't they respond? Like for me, I just need to disconnect and it helps my overall performance. You know, if I, if I go outside and I 
stay active or I go hit the sauna. I love the sauna. I also like the sweat on. Yeah, I like the, I like yeah. the suffering, and I can't take my phone in there because it'll overheat. So yep. it's it's really just me and my suffering, which is awesome because then I get to reflect a little bit and just decompress. Sometimes I meditate or do some breathing exercises. So I do a variety of different things, and it just kind of depends on where I'm at in the day and what's available to me. So I think it, it overall helps helps me out, and I got a lot of. I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of problems, <laughs> but little things like that provide, you know, a short little relief or a little yeah. break from those problems, which I think is nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, I think that's advice that anybody from any walk of life can take is we all need a way to escape it, it or, or not even escape. It just kind of like sink into and there's a book, if you haven't read it yet, and I'm, I'm telling this to everybody, if you have not yet read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, you need to read it like now. <laughs> and she talks, her, her word is the knowing. Like with deep, she says, deep within us, there is a thing that has all the right answers, a mm-hmm. part of us. And when we talk about escaping or floating or whatever, thinking into that allowing the world of stimulus to just melt away and go quietly um into your knowing and i think and that sounds sounds to me like that's what you're talking about um and i i 100 agree man and i you know i hope people out there that are listening uh one have have enjoyed this but also for future performance uh ideas suggestions and conversations they come check you out so for those who have enjoyed uh, our time this morning, where can they find you and where can they find the Poseidon Performance Podcast? Yeah, the podcast is on all eight listening platforms. So Spotify, you can listen right here on Anchor, um, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Um, and then on Instagram, we're at the Poseidon Pod. So we're just trying to grow that up and provide some, you know, pictures of our guests that you can't see because it's an audio only podcast and just different behind the scenes stuff, which is pretty sweet. Very good. All right. You ready for the, uh, the, I'm going to make this up as I go along lightning round. Yeah, of course. All right. Will the ma- will major league baseball finish the season? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's depressing. And this is, that's it for those. <laughs> um, burgers or burritos? Uh, burgers. Chicken or steak? Steak. Ocean or mountains? Ocean. Surfing or body surfing? Mm, body surfing. Flip-flops or sneakers? Flip-flops. Flip-flops or bare feet? Uh, bare feet. Call of Duty or Halo? Uh, Call of Duty. Mm, The right answer there was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. (laughs) Uh, And then last question. If heaven exists, what do you hope God says when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, man. That's a lightning round question. That's a podcast topic. (laughs) All right. Well, Uh, answer it now and then we'll podcast about that later. 
I hope I hope he says that he knows that the intention was always there. Yeah, that my that my my intentions were always good. That uh, yeah 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 that. I think that's that. I think that's a good answer. Not that it matters because you know you're talking about you and God. So who cares what I say? <laughs> but uh, uh, Robbie Dixon, thank you, my friend. It's been well over an hour, but um, I mean, again, you and I could talk about this forever. So I uh, appreciate you coming on. For those who want to check out Robbie, check him out. The Performance Podcast on Instagram, The Performance Pod. He puts up new episodes every Monday, Friday. And yep. he, he's changing the mental game. He's, he's giving the world a glimpse into what it takes to, to be elite, but also just get, you know, just function, man. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure, Robbie. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks, man. Bye.